Welcome everyone, welcome to this new episode of the Empower Journey for those who want it all. So it's really this community, we are here to support you, support your self-growth, to live by your own rules. And uh, we're super excited because this month the theme is why failing is the best and teach to be a phoenix. And today we've got a wonderful guest, uh, we've got François de Neuville, welcome François. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. How are you doing today? Hi. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me today. Yes, it's good to have you. Uh, so just a word about Francois before, uh, before he starts telling you more uh, about him. He's an ex-commando paratrooper, mm. <laughs> an adventurer, a speaker, and, and actually a double natural disaster survivor. So he'll be telling you more about that. Uh, in the episode and uh, today he's a certified high performance coach and he's supporting entrepreneurs, CEOs and executives to get more out of life and become high performance leaders. Well, that's a very exciting introduction. We are looking forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to know more now, please, Francois, can you tell us what is your empowerment journey? Tell us more about yourself. Yeah. So when I was 17, you can imagine me, I had like long dreadlocks, like till here. I was living with a guitar and a skateboard. And one day I came to my parents' bedroom in the evening, like, dad, mom, I'm going to join the army. That was coming a bit like a shock. They were really supportive, but that was really funny because it was such a different identity from who I was at that moment. And uh, I joined the military and I stayed there for nine years making my way through to become a platoon leader in the Commander Paratroopers. One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I was so proud. I was so happy. I was just living a great life. I really loved it. But like, funny enough, there was something missing. And I could not really grasp what it was because I had a good career all in front of me. I worked so hard to get where I was. I was so happy with what I was doing. My job was like jumping from planes, helicopter training, boat training, climbing, combat training. It was just so funny. I, I loved it. But something was missing. And since I was a kid, I always wanted to travel the world. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, ah, maybe should I try? If I don't do it now, maybe later it's going to be too late. Mm -hmm. But you know, in this society, when everything is kind of aligning well in front of you, it sounds not so rational to quit mm. everything and start doing something. Mm. So yeah, it was, not, it was not rational, but I decided to quit. So I quit. I sold wow. everything I had. Like I sold my car, my computer, my clothes. I put everything I had left in the backpack and I left to travel the world. That's wow. so I was scary. Wow. I was amazing. I met a girl on a tiny island in Indonesia just uh -huh. the year before doing that. And she was kind of the trigger that made me do the step. Right? <laughs> I remember like I came to her one day, it's like, ah, I want to travel the world. But that's not so smart thing to do, right? And she mm -hmm. said, Oh no, that's awesome. I want to go live in Nepal. And I mean, I married her a few years later. So, really so we've we, been traveling around the world for like two years and then we were in Indonesia at the time. I was uh, going for a paragliding competition. Mm -hmm. And I was, imagine this beautiful tropical island uh, on the coast. It was so great flying there. Beautiful palm trees, view, blue sky, sun. I had a great day in the competition. That was the second day. Mm -hmm. Super happy. I was in a hotel on the coast. So I was splurging a little bit. I was sharing a room with a friend there. And then we go out of the hotel and 
suddenly the ground started shaking. Ooh. Now, you quickly realize what's happening, but my mind could not really comprehend what was happening. Mm-hmm. The ground was undulating. Like wow. a moment my friend was next to me, he was like a meter above me, then I was a meter above him. The ground was doing literally waves. That was so insane. We were just, we dropped down on the floor. We could not stand up. We could not move. That was too crazy. We were there and then suddenly I hear this, this really loud noise behind us. And I realized that the whole hotel is collapsing. Oh my God. I was horrified. This so much noise, this dust going everywhere. And I just remember I was just waving goodbye to the receptionist like a few seconds before. I was like 20 meters in front of the hotel. Mm. I was so lucky to not be still in. Like if I would have stayed five minutes longer, I would be in the lift. I would be somewhere, I would be trapped. I would be probably dead. So we try to stand up. The tremor is like reducing a little bit. We managed to stand up and we run to the hotel, what is left of it, trying to see we need to help people. There are people there, they're trapped inside and we need to do something. Now we arrive in front of the thing and, and, and the dust start dissipating a little bit. Now the ground is still shaking, it's not finished. And I look and I see in debris, like on the fifth floor of the hotel, there is a little girl and she's trapped between metallic bars. Like she's so wow. tiny and I looked at her and I, I, get, I get her eyes and I can remember like the, the, the confusion in her eyes, like, like what the hell is happening? What's that? And she's there like half hanging in the middle of, of the debris of the hotel. My friend wanted to do a step forward to go in it. I catch him by the shoulder. The, the hotel is still collapsing. I mean, those big blocks of concrete are falling from the roof. The earthquake is oh. still happening, right? And we look at her like we cannot just stay there and do nothing. No, we don't want to do something stupid. And if we get smashed under a block of concrete, then we cannot do anything anymore. Mm. But we decided to go anyway. And we climb, start climbing on the debris of the hotel to reach the fifth floor from the ground. I mean, just to explain how the hotel was just fully collapsed. And like we get there and with my friend, we open the metallic bars. I take the little girl in my shoulders. And then I see like two feet just next to us, a lot of blood and a woman yelling. And I realized I was the mother. The mother is still alive, but that doesn't really look so good. Mm. And I told my friend, I'm going to bring the little girl down. I'm going to put her safe, far away from collapsing stuff. And I come back to help you to free up the mother. So my friend is staying there. I start climbing down the debris. I take the little girl in my arms. I turn back and I want to put her somewhere far away from the buildings. Now, my first idea was let's go closer to the coast because there is nothing that can collapse there. Now, the moment I touch the ground, I turn back and then I saw it in the horizon this black line. Now, I've never seen that before, but I immediately knew what it was. That was a tsunami coming. Now, I was trapped between the collapsing building and the beach. I mean, there was nowhere to go. So I turned around and I yelled to my friend, like, take shelter, tsunami coming. I started yelling to people, the few people, they were still there, like, do something. And then I'm thinking, okay, I have a few seconds. Now, what I did not realize, I know it was coming fast. Now, what I learned after, tsunami is going like around 700 kilometers per hour that's wow. the speed which is it's it's just insane you see it far it's close already like wow so i had to take a decision really fast and i look around i cannot go back to the hotel it's still collapsing so i look in front of me there is a little security post like you know this thing in front of the parking mm-hmm. and there is a tree and i'm darting between the two and i decide to go for the tree thinking like the root must be much mm-hmm. deeper than this little foundation of the building so i put the little girl in the tree i climb myself in mm-hmm. and then I hold the trunk in one arm, the little girl, she was five years old, right? On the other arm, and I hold as strong as I can. The tree is still moving in all directions. The tsunami is coming. Like it's it's getting closer and closer and closer. It arrives on the first 
there was a little road between us and the beach. And then you see the cars are just, just projected in the sky. Like you see a car flying like five meters high. Like it doesn't make sense. The little security post in front of me explode in, in pieces. And I'm so happy I didn't stand there. And then it reached us. And it's like, like a truck hitting us. Like my legs are getting dragged and I hold as strong as I can. The trees move in all direction. And we're still there. She was looking at me in the eyes just a few seconds before. I could see the fear and I'm like, it's going to be okay. In my mind, I really thought, that's it. That's it. And I even took my phone trying to call my wife to say, sorry, bye. I'm so glad that the call never went through because all the power lines and the stuff and the antennas were destroyed by the earthquake. I'm glad they did not because nobody would love to receive such a call, I guess. But we were still in the tree and we were still living. Wow. And we stayed in the tree for like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it got dark because it was an afternoon. We couldn't see anything. I could not anticipate the wave coming because I already thought, you know, a tsunami, you have this massive wave coming, crashing, mm-hmm. that's it. Actually not. It was more a wall of water that was just going, moving and nothing could stop it. So, you know, when the, when the tsunami hit us and then the water kept coming in land, that was just, just crazy. Mm-hmm. So for 40 minutes, we stayed in the tree and then decided to move because like... No, I was in the front light. I was thinking if there's another earthquake, if the tree is falling, if there's not a wave, then we might die. Mm. No, if I start walking and there is a wave coming at that moment, we might die too. And every decision I was making, I mean, I had this little girl in my arms. That was the only thing I had. I mean, she has nothing else than me to protect her. But funny enough, when I talked to her afterwards, I really said like, she saved my life because Mm. I was so focused on keeping her safe that nothing mattered i mean anything else was just disappeared i was like that that's what i need to do she's so vulnerable and i need to do anything i can to keep her living and that's really that was the the strength that that made me go through a lot of that Mm. no we left the tree and luckily we did not die on a wave i tried to walk i tried to escape but i could not i could not because i didn't realize but the ground was was distorted i mean nothing was flat anymore there were power lines there were cars there were debris there was everything it was almost impossible to walk and it was dark so i couldn't see anything i had the girl on my shoulder trying to walk for somewhere i did like a few hundred meters not even and then i I decided to go for another shelter i walked in the building that was still standing and we stayed there for another two hours before we went to the center of the town and and then i realized i realized like it was chaos the city was burning there were bodies everywhere. It was just, everything was destroyed. It was, it was horrible. And I felt I was there walking in the water with this little girl on my shoulder thinking, what the hell? Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm not ready for a story like that. <laughs> oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I really, you know, when, I, when I'm explaining it, like I had, I barely felt anything in a way. Mm-hmm. I thought I would die, but then I really, put all my emotion on, I turned it off and locked them in a box to just think rationally. And I think my training in the military really helped me yeah. to be able to take decision in the split second in, in high stake environment. Thank God. <laughs> but after, so the beauty of the thing is that I went back in land and then I see a group of survivors and there I see my friend standing. Oh. <laughs> I run to him and I'm like, I'm so happy to see him. I thought he died. And he's telling me that the, the mother of the little girl is still alive. Wow. And I could oh, finally tell her. Yeah, I could tell her, like, we're going to find mm-hmm. your mom. So 
just the day after I took her and trying to figure out where her mom was, it was impossible because it was chaos everywhere. So that, that was, yeah. So was, that was a really difficult. I told her, I promised her I'm going to find your parents. And then like hours passed, etc. Um, the ground kept shaking. It did not really stop. Um, and then I received the information that I could board a plane, a military plane, because I was there for a paralyzing competition, which was organized by the Air Force. I mean, the Air Force is the top of the Federation of Free Flight. So I could board a plane. And normally, civilian cannot board a military plane in a foreign country. I mean, that's almost impossible. And only military plane could land because the airport was destroyed. The runway was also uh, well, it was, was not possible for any commercial plane. And, uh, and so my friend are telling me the plane is flying above the city, waiting for ground clearance to land. The moment it's there, you can take the plane. At that time, the little girl, name was Zara, uh, she fell asleep and I, she, she would not leave my shoulders and, and me. I mean, I could not put her on the ground. She would not. And that was the last thing. I can't imagine how traumatic it was already for me, but for her, I mean, with her, that's just insane. Um, so she fell asleep and... I went back to town to search for my friends because we, like on all the pilots that were there, 10 pilots were still missing. And we went digging in the debris of the hotel, trying to find them. But unfortunately, we didn't find anything. It was impossible behind. Oh. Um, but I received the, the confirmation that I could board a plane and uh, people told me like, you need to go now. And it was horrible because I, I, could, I was looking at her sleeping and I was thinking, my gosh, she's going to wake up and I'm not going to be there. And I promised her. Mm. And I could not, I mean, that's the moment. And people around me said, like, you cannot wake her up. Don't, I mean, it's, it's, imp she's going to be so crying, so upset. So it's going to be too difficult. She was with the family of a friend there. And, we, and they said, like, don't worry. And we posted on Facebook the photo. So um, some her sister was about to come. We could contact the family. So everything was well. She was in good hands. That was no problem. But mm. in my heart, I was just like devastated. I was thinking, I cannot do that. And I was thinking of my wife as well, who thought I was dead. I'm saying I cannot not take this chance of taking the plane because who knows when is going to be the next possibility to leave this place. I mean, it was so destroyed. Plus, I mean, it's a tropical country. You can imagine that in a few um, days and weeks, uh, disease and sanitation, and there was nothing in food and, and shelter. It was, it was difficult. So I climbed the pickup to go to the airport and I broke down. Like everything went out, all the emotion went back up and uh, I just felt so miserable to leave her alone and uh, just like uh, yeah everything was <laughs> finally getting out so just thinking you can you can dampen your emotion but here's a moment it has to go out right um, so yeah I was back uh, like a bit more than 24 hours later uh, I was back home in uh, in Jakarta uh, I was sitting in my living room next to my wife and I was just like that's insane. Life is normal here. And I had still all those images. Like my, my heart and soul was still there, but I was in a different place. Like everybody was living normal thing, right? I, I just had such a hard time to synchronize again, my body and my, and my I mean, and the rest, right? Um, and it took me weeks. It really took me, like I was in such a dark place thinking like, but what's the point of everything? I've seen so many atrocities. Um, and days after days, they were just finding the bodies of my friend. They were, did not make it, unfortunately. And that was like bad news after bad news. And that was, that was a really, really dark moment of my life. And um, three weeks later, so I planned to, to go see my friend that saved the mother, uh, the lives, 
the mother, sorry, the mother of the little girl, uh, he went to India for paragliding. And I said, like, I'm going to join you there. I just need a break and let's go fly together there. That's going to feel good to, to, to meet again. And uh, so I was talking with him. So it was three weeks later, I finally started getting back on my feet and trying to live a bit normal. Uh, no, I was really living with this, I think with this guilt of, of being alive, you know, yeah. after mm. seeing so many horrible things, I was like, that's not fair for the others. I mean, well, I, mean I just lost a lo- a, some belongings. Okay. I lost a lot of uh, uh, 10 friends. Um, but I mean, my wife was next to me. I had my apartment, I had all my things. I mean, I didn't lose half my family. I, I was so, so lucky. And I felt like I kind of be happy. I cannot have joy. It's, it's, it's so unfair for all those people who lost everything. And I was really battling inside of me with, the, with, this, with those thoughts. And then, so that was three weeks later, I was talking to my friend in India and I was like, I'm going to come fly and, and, and come to you. And I didn't receive an answer. And the day after I got called by another friend that says, it went flying yesterday, he did not come back. We don't know, he's missing. And like a few hours later, I received information that they found his body in the mountain and he got caught in the weather and hit the mountain like at 4,000 meters and uh, he died from head injury and uh, alone there in the mountain. I was so mad. I was so mad at him. I was so mad at life. I was so mad at, I was so angry. I was like, it's, it's so unfair. Life cannot do that. This guy's it was so brave, it was so courageous, a hero. He, he saved the life of the mother of this girl. And, and no, it's, it's just gone. Like, that just didn't make sense. You know, I had this photo of, of my paragliding competition with my team. I was the last one alive on the photo. I was thinking like, well, I'm next. But technically, I am next. Well, but <laughs> it's just this, this, this amount of anger I had about the universe. Like, I, I just really lost my trust mm. in living. Mm. But then also, that's the moment I got my, my biggest insight that changed everything. Because I thought about all those people who lost their lives, all the friends that I lost. i like, I'm lucky, I'm still there. I got to make the most out of it. And that just changed completely my way of, of seeing things because I was really deep into the, the victim role and I became a survivor. And this transition from victim to survivor just changed everything. Suddenly, I was like allowing myself to be happy again, allowing myself to really enjoy being alive and being grateful. And, and that's, that's the change. Now, it happened quite like a few weeks later that, that really, that did not take the pain away, right? I, I'm, I like to talk about pain and suffering because this is such a fascinating subject that it feels sometimes in, in, in our society that the longer you suffer, the more it makes the pain important or the pain mm-hmm. deep, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like you break your arm, you need to be mad for a week. You lose someone, it's like at least a year or whatever it is. But like, it's kind of, there's a script somehow because after a while, I talked a lot to the media at that time, trying to raise money. And I went there to volunteer and, and support the, the survivors in, in the camp and do activity with kids and a lot of stuff like this that really helped me to deal with, with, with the trauma. But I was doing okay. I was doing better. I mean, I still have nightmares up to today. Like, like, every now and then i have those images that come back and and it's it's hard because the pain never fades away but the suffering is not there anymore Mm. right and i you know we can always hear that you can choose your state that suffering is a choice it's difficult but it's so true 
And when you decide not to suffer about something, that doesn't take the pain away. And that's something that really, when I was talking to people, I was thinking maybe in their mind, they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe that's not, that was not that bad then. If you're already okay, it's been a few months. I was also like feeling, well, whatever, whatever you think, I don't care. But maybe I was just in my head, but it still feels that, that sometimes you need to show it's hard and suffer a lot to make mm-hmm. the pain more important. Mm-hmm. I decided not to suffer anymore. The pain is still there. And I realized that this event really changed my life for the better. I was not able to say that a few years back, like it was in 2018. I, I could not have said that. But I love this quote that says, sometimes beautiful gifts come wrapped in ugly paper. Mm-mm. And that was a beautiful gift for me. Wrapped in a very, very ugly paper. <laughs> Nothing to say about it, for sure. Mm-hmm. But thanks to this, it really gave me another sense another perspective of life and gave me my purpose in living and i've never felt so alive since i almost died (laughs) which is Mm. interesting and thanks to this i realized like whoa i promised myself i'm going to live every single day of my life to the fullest i have to do that it's my mission for for those people Mm. but i'm also gonna do everything i can to inspire other people to do the same thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's that's how everything started aligning and that's how i became a coach as well and that's why our, it's deep in me, this desire to help people live the best life. Because, you know, we live with this illusion of time. Mm-hmm. We live thinking that we can always postpone our best life for later. That I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to go to the gym next week. Or I'm going to do this dream holiday or this course or tell this to this person later. Based on what? Seriously. <laughs> I just, I mean, what do we expect that we're going to live forever? Mm-hmm. Most of people are in denial of their own mortality, which I don't want to be creepy or anything, but there are two things that are true we all gonna die sorry and nobody knows when right this is still truth it's valid for everyone but it feels like sometimes we forget to, to live with this reality that is there mm. and so we postpone and we wait for later to be happy i'm going to be happy when yeah and i really got this big reminder that day i don't wait really don't freaking time. wait start today that's really the message I want to give to people. And that's what I'm writing in my book right now as well. It's like the illusion of time, how to get to break free from that. Mm-hmm. So this is the big message. And this is my big message. I want, to, I want to tell the world to start living fully now. And I also want to tell the world that you don't need to wait for a traumatic event to start doing that. Yeah. It, it, it's really inspiring what you're describing because I think if you have done it, you know, knowing what the experience you've gone through I think we can all relate to some extent to to some different uh, level to to challenges and to traumas and uh, and I think hearing an experience like that which is very very extreme makes you think right if he can do it if he can have the choice you know why why can't I so could you could you tell us maybe a little bit more about you know this this moment this shift that you uh, you managed to go from from you know move away from the victim and find in yourself that choice of becoming the survivor that mm-hmm. I guess gave gave you the strength to to bounce back and to bounce forward. Can you can you tell us more about what what happened for you at that time? Yeah. So what was interesting is that when I was deep in this darkness and and suffering with really being in this victim mode. I tried to find escape somehow. So I, I told my wife, please 
no alcohol for the next week's month. I don't want to have this sensation, this illusion of relief that I can find it. I was really craving for relief, right? I started going to do a lot of sport. I went to the gym. I spent like hours and hours in a row. I just put a lot of pain in my body somehow trying to escape my mind. I, I just, I knew like, and then realized always after like, oh my gosh, I'm really trying to escape and I need to find a, a healthy way to do it. I didn't, I mean, I started after watching a lot of movies trying to just zoom out. It didn't really work so well because that was still there. I could just close my eyes for a moment, but the thing was still here. It really happened just that like almost instantly, I would say when my friend passed away in India, I think that was just the moment. It was, it was not so, it was more like, like a, like a flash Right. Than, a, than a long process mm. and then after that you know when having this mission to really live to the fullest I just thought like okay how can I do that mm. and maybe my practical mind took over and think like okay let, let's make plans let, let's start to see what do you need to improve in life to live to the fullest mm-hmm. and that's what I started really focusing on like getting better at life yeah yeah, yeah. very interesting yeah so there, there seems to have been like a like a click, they click sort of yeah. moment, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, what I was just saying before that people don't need to wait for a traumatic event to change. Now, that's funny because, you know, this sentence that says, shit doesn't only happen to others. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. But still, we all feel a little bit invincible. Now, sometimes people would say, yeah, but you know, <laughs> a tsunami, no change is going to happen to me. So did I. I thought the same thing, right? Mm. We, we never save for anything. Who knows what can happen? Mm. Yeah. yeah. I completely agree with you. For me, like, we all have traumatic events in our life and we hit the bottom and we start to bounce back. But I feel like the best to live our life is to decide that every day I'm getting better. Every day I'm going to create my growth because that's where you can live to the fullest. And I so agree with you. Yeah. I would just love to know more about this illusion of time that you were talking about. I feel that's really interesting. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, well, it's just linked to, oh, just before, I love that you use the word create. I mean, yeah. this is the difference between living a created life and a life, mm. a default That's life, true. right? Yeah. We, we all have a default future. And if we don't do anything about it, we, we're going there. And yeah. that's how living a created life is it, mm. making sense, right? Mm. Um, so the illusion of time is really this idea of postponing always for later. Yeah. Mm. And I think we fall in this trap. But first of all, there is a problem in, in, in the society today that people don't know what they want. And that's to go back to living a life by default. We live what people around us, culture, society, everything is is telling us to do. I think not enough, I mean, almost not enough people are really taking the time to slow down and to think, what do I want from life? Mm -hmm. What do I want my experience to be? Now, I like to see this dichotomy of people. There are two ways to live. I can either minimize the struggle which is what most people are doing. They're trying to get in life with minimizing the pain and the difficulties and going at the end like that. Or maximizing the life experience, Hmm. right? But maximizing your life experience takes a lot of courage. You need to be brave. You need to, first of all, figure out what you want. Hmm. And second, go for it and commit. And this is difficult because you need sometimes to go a bit not following the stream, right? Hmm. Because sometimes what you want is not what your family wants, not what your society wants. 
yeah. and it's to follow it anyway. And it started for me when I decided to quit the military and go travel the world to just fulfill the child dream that I always had. Mm. Now, I had a lot of fears doing that. Really, I, the first time I told that my closest friends, they were like, you're crazy. That's stupid. Come on, don't do that. <laughs> and they really tested me. They loved me. That was really beautiful. They really pushed me to the edge to make me to really see if I was sure about what I was doing. Like, I'm going to do it anyway. I really want to try. Mm. And if I, if I fail, well, at least I've tried. I love this quote that says, we tend to regret more the things that we didn't do than the things that we've done. Yeah. I'm not going to die with a to-do list, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's hard by knowing what is the thing that I want to create in my life. Yes. And then yes. the moment that we are clear on that, which is one of the most difficult part, I think, is really mm. think this through. Yeah. And it feels like, I don't know, this lightness that you, you look at life and everything in front of you, like, I'm going to create now. Mm. I'm in there. And I'm going to commit because it's going to be tough. Mm. And it's going to be so rewarding. Mm. And that's what, the moment you do that, you break free from this illusion of time. Because you know that, I mean, the happiest, most fulfilled people, they, they finish their life with full of memories and, and the people who are unfulfilled and unhappy, they just die with regrets and things like, I should have yeah. done that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, or, that's really this illusion of time. Like, mm, mm. start doing or, what really matters. Or as you said as well, they would, they would come to their, to their grave or to the end of their life with, uh, I would be happy when, you know, they, they're still chasing something yeah. else, something more yeah. that's, uh, yeah. that's not happening. And I lived in that. I mean, when I was traveling, I realized later, but... Like I was in Japan thinking, oh, the Philippines are going to be so great. I was in the Philippines thinking, I can't wait to be in Indonesia. I was like, for, for years, I was just looking at what's going to come next. And mm. I realized now, whoa, we don't know if we're going to have the future. So let's be more here in the present. Yes. But that, that's challenging, right? Because we are machines that are keeping rehearsing the past and now reviewing the past, rehearsing the future. We're always juggling in between and, and being fully here now, that takes some practice and mindfulness. But if you know that right now is the only thing that you really have, it just makes so much sense to actually do that. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, that's how, as, as you say, the, the time or the past, the future are completely an illusion. The only thing that you have is this, this moment right now, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and we, you know, that's another concept that I, this, this idea of ownership of our life, being really responsible. It's mm. so much easier to blame people, circumstances, like events and everything else, but us for the reason that we don't live the best life or yeah. best life. But the moment you can realize like, I'm in the driver's seat here. I can't blame everybody else, but at the end, that's still me. I'm in charge. So I better start doing the thing that I wanna do. Otherwise nobody else is gonna do it for me. And I think that's such a massive realization as well. If you can really embody that, that I need to own it. That, that's changing the course of your life for sure yeah absolutely yeah. and going back to to you know what you were describing about realizing that actually this event happening to you has turned out to be something very very positive in your life mm -hmm. has had this very very positive impact uh, yeah. as you were able to to recognize to embrace to shift into this uh, creating mode and survive survivor yeah. instead of victim do you think then that it would apply for anyone else's trauma and challenges? Because I guess a lot of people still sort of experience in the present things that happened in the past and they are kind of stuck, no, in their, in their trauma. 
Do you think that it's accurate to say that we could all transform our challenges and our trauma into uh, something positive for us, the positive impact? What do you think? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because everybody has a different way to deal with, with pain. I mean, we all experience pain, we all will, and that's, that's what it is. Now, some people can deal with it faster than, than others. There is no rule for that. I think it just depends on how we, we process Oh, everybody has, a, I mean, what's interesting when you look at kids, they have something happening. So pain is just a signal from the body to say there is something wrong, either in your psyche or in, in your physique. Yeah. Kids, they are really amazing with that. They have the trigger, they experience the pain, they fully express it, and then they let it go. Hmm? Why do they do that? Because they don't have all the stigma of, of everything that we gather and everything that, that we take when we grow up. They don't have that. So they make the decision that makes the more sense for them. And what makes the more sense for them in that moment is to let it go. So that's why you can see a kid falling pain, like ah, horrible, and then, okay, I go play. And that's it, that's gone, yeah. right? Yeah. When the pain signal is gone, they can really dissociate. Adults, we cannot, because we are so much thinking of, we get trapped in our thinking, I think. So I think it's really hard when someone is going through a traumatic event a situation to say like, hey, it's going to be for the better. Don't worry. <laughs> it, I mean, if you say that to someone, you just get punched in the face. Obviously, it's you don't <laughs> want to hear that in that moment, right? And when I was back there, I didn't want to hear that, right? Yeah. I, I told you, I really lost trust of life. So yeah. I think it's knowing that sooner or later, it's going to be okay. Mm. Mm. I love this quote from John Lennon. He said, um, at the end, everything is going to be okay. And if it's not okay, it's not the end right? I love that. Eventually, things are going to be right. Mm. Now, mm. I know it's really hard to say if you lose a child or if you lose someone really close to you, mm. you can't say those words. But mm. for a lot of people, I would not say it's a choice, but I think there is a part of choosing in there as well. Yes. yes. Right? Because, yeah, like saying choosing your state, um, this is part of it. No, it's challenging to do. Mm. There's this it's a bit like when you're in a really high stake environment, like let's say, well, take my situation, tsunami is coming in front of you. You have those different reactions, freeze, uh, escape, fly, uh, fight. There is those three basic things. Mm. You cannot really choose what you're going to do, right? It, it's kind of, it's happening. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, in my case, actually I heard a fourth one, which is starting taking care of others. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, I fly to freeze and there is another one. And I totally fell down in the, in the last one. And I put myself so much out, as I explained before. Uh, I didn't choose that. It's just how mm. you react. And I think you cannot blame someone to freeze because this is just how the body yeah. is doing. Yeah. And when a traumatic event is happening, you can either go through PTSD or I just learned recently about PTG, which is like post-traumatic growth. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Mm. I don't I think you really too. choose, but I think you can, mm. you can consciously choose to work one way or the other, right? You can influence mm -hmm. things. And mm -hmm. what they say in, in the research is that people who are usually more optimistic and who are like having more joy in general are most likely to experience post-traumatic growth than the traumatic disorder. Now, it's always a bit a mix of both, right? Because yeah. for me, it was really a big growth, but I still, as I said, I still have nightmares. If I hear like loud noises and stuff, I still, my heart is started beating and mm -hmm. like for months and months after, every time I would get it in a, in a big building, a commercial center, mm -hmm. whatever, I would look 
where are the exits? Where are the weak points? What can fall down? Where I'm going to be safe? And I still have a little bit of this thinking sometimes unconsciously. Like I just yeah, better be safe yeah. and sorry, you know? <laughs> so the, the trauma is still there, but the growth is taking over. I don't really think that you choose, but I think that you can influence which part you're going to walk. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not yeah. really clear on the answer, but... You are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely loved when you talked about your story and you said that this make you made you learn what was your purpose and gave meaning to mm. your life. And I really feel like that's what could help everyone. When you mm. have a traumatic experience, just take the time to think of the gift it brings you, of whatever purpose it can bring to your life. And maybe yeah. that's the, that's yeah. the shift for, for everything happening yeah. to us every day exactly yes. but you know finding your purpose is such a big thing in personal development field yeah. right and to be honest i got so much pressure on myself before that thinking like what's my purpose what i'm going to do what's my impact <laughs> etc and i just like it was so overwhelming you know for a lot of people you don't know it's almost depressing like i don't know my purpose my life is pointless like i would like to say no if you don't know your purpose in life make your purpose of getting better at life hmm? just try to get better in your in your physical health, in your mental health, in the impact you have to others, in the, mm. how you collaborate, how you contribute. Mm. I think that's a great start. And then from there, it's going to unfold. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 It's a very, very uh, powerful uh, reframing, rephrasing of, uh, and I think it, it, it helps with the helplessness. Like, oh, yeah. I do not know. I don't have the big direction. So yeah, then I'm maybe not going to say or do anything. So, so yes, yeah, exactly. That and just be, okay. Can you do what you do to the best of your ability and, yeah. and get and getting better one exactly. percent every day? It, mm. it is this trust and proactivity instead of being passive, like I don't know, so I just I just sit and wait. <laughs> right. Yeah. And another thing just to, to Anna to go back to what you said. Mm. Right now, what I when everything is something bad is happening to me, knowing that nothing is really bad or yeah. good because it it's just as it is, right? Life is as it is, mm. good, amazing, great, frustrating, what whatever. It's just the way we interpret the event that makes the whole difference in, in, yeah. in how we process it. Reframing. Now, exactly. Now, every time there's something bad happening to me, I'm like, you know what? I don't know how, but I trust that this is going to be for my greater good. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and I know it's, it's tricky, but if you can really, the more I say that to myself, the more I'm like, you know what? That's going to turn out well. Yeah. I don't know how, and I cannot even imagine that it will, but I know it will. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I can no. tell myself this because after having going through that and getting something positive out of it, like, well, you know, it, it yeah. can, you can always choose growth. Yeah. I think this, yeah. Is, this is really key and the trust that you describe and the connection with optimism that you were describing as well is just like, it's also like, stop trying to figure it out. You know, there are things that are beyond your mind, beyond your ability to perceive and think. And, and that's, that's okay. There's this, this um, need to surrendering to something higher mm -hmm. than you. And you might believe you might have a spiritual belief or a uh, or religious belief or, but just even believing in nature, nature knows what, it, what she's doing some way or another. And sometimes it takes the shape of a tsunami, which has consequences. And we're not saying that it's not a painful and, and you know, there aren't a negative consequences to that. Yeah. But overall, if you look at overall the plan, yeah. it's there, you know, trust, trust the universe, trust. Yeah. Uh, and trust we can all life. connect to that in different ways. I think uh, different people can connect yeah. to different things, something higher than you. 
just trust this just surrender to that exactly and the faster you can believe that for yourself the better you can experience life right the, the, it's really about reducing this time window when you're like oh it's gonna be great if you can do that really soon after like mm. like event is happening you fully express whatever you feel and then you trust mm. and sometimes it takes years to unfold right but i think everyone every one of us when we look back at everything that's bad that happened to us in the past we mm. can connect dots and say well thanks to this this happened and i become that and yeah. then like whoa so if you see what happened in the past and you can transpose that to the future and whatever's going to happen is going to be great yeah. i don't know how but it will <laughs> and that's really powerful to be able to to go deep into the reflection to as, as you said to really surrender and still doing the best you can to live your best exactly. life exactly yeah. and uh, i think also very importantly as you said it's not about denying uh, the pain or denying no. what's oh, no. the difficulties you're going through. If you if you yeah. need to cry, if you need to heal, if you need to uh, go through whatever you need to, you know, the, look, yeah. going back to your, what you were saying on, on about kids, you know, do they, do they edit themselves? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Full on anger and sadness and they express, you know, it has to come out of yourself. Yeah. It's not yeah. about pushing it back and just like, no, no, I'll pretend it's not here. And, exactly that's a big thing i want i want to exactly say also to people like you can choose to stop suffering that doesn't make the pain go away don't worry you can still hang on to your pain if it's part of you already no problem the fact that you don't suffer doesn't make it go away and sometimes it feels like we're scared to be judged by people as i said before but it's okay to choose joy over suffering Mm. it's it's fine and the sooner you do it (laughs) the better your life is going to be yeah that's super What are your others' advice to live every single day to the fullest? Hmm. I like the idea of when people say, you live only once, you know? And usually when people say that, what's going to happen after? It's a perfect excuse to destroy your body (laughs) and to do every kind of excess in all different kind of ways, right? Because people are saying that usually they end up during partying every day and spending all they have. And Mm. this is not living your life to the fullest. It's, It's kind of... That's what I thought before, to be honest, but I realized, no, it's not that. Living your life to the fullest is feeling good in your body, first of all. So I think mm. taking care of yourself, physical and mental health. Mm. But I love this quote from uh, Neil Donald Walsh. You say, your life is not about you. It's about everybody else whose life you touch and in the way in which you touch it. Wow. That's, that's so, yeah. you know, when I was in this tree and when I was thinking about dying, when I was like, I'm going to die right now. I didn't think about my computer, my new backpack or whatever it is. I didn't think about that. I thought about the people in my life and I could, I was thinking about the moment with them, the smiles, the, the things that I did for others. That's the thing that really matters. But we know that we don't take our stuff to the grave, but that's so true. Mm. But still we live in this, like, oh, you want to accumulate things and which what's the most important is the way you contribute to others. Mm. And that's really weird. Mm. Except maybe psychopaths, but 99.9% of the population on earth, they find fulfillment by helping others. Mm. It doesn't have to be a big thing, right? It it can be as small as whatever it is. And it can be just your kids or your partner. It doesn't have to help like thousand people and be an inspirational speaker or whatever. Mm. It can be so simple. But I think that this is the more fulfilling things that you can do. Mm. And I think living your life to the fullest is like, how can I feel good every day? How can I live in joy and choose joy no matter what? And I love those three words from uh, Brendan Bouchard said, live, love, and matter. 
that's so in the thing I want to do. Asking yourself every day, how can I live today? How can I live fully? How can I love openly and share that with the people around me? And how can I matter? Yeah. I think this is really what feels like success to me. This feels like I had a good day. I lived, I loved, and I mattered. That's great. I'm ready for another one. And I think <laughs> if you start doing more and having more of those things, you just have an extraordinary life. Mm. So that's what I, what I would say. It's not about going partying, going crazy. It's just about mm. living present, mm. feeling good in your body, in your mind, and having an impact on others. Mm. That's to me was fulfilling. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's great. And I, I love how it's connected as well to what we were saying about uh, the idea of purpose. So maybe if the uh, idea of purpose mm. doesn't resonate with you, that could be another, maybe another entry point. Yeah. What's your way to contribute to the world? What's the impact that you want to have on others, on the mm. world? What sets your soul on fire kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's a great indicator as well to to help you because I think also a lot of people can feel like they're being selfish by doing work on themselves or you know the coaching on yeah. the self self improvement personal development they'll be like yeah that's amazing but you know that's isn't that kind of selfish well actually you want to have the biggest impact uh, start there <laughs> exactly you know this I love this metaphor um, you know to which organ the heart is pumping blood first in the human body. Uh, which one is it the closest? Is it the brain? Not so, sure. So the, so uh, <laughs> the heart is pumping blood first to itself. Oh, that's beautiful. Otherwise it can't. Oh, it is blood for the rest of the body. I love yeah. that. That's yeah, exactly that illustrating what you just said. And that's mm -hmm. so true. If you're not to give more to others, you need to start being good with yourself. You need, mm -hmm. I mean, to use a bit different language, but you need to be the light first. Yes. If you're if you're an empty hole full of darkness, you, you can't give. No. So it's it's all a, a give and take, but it starts with you. So mm. for yeah. people to listen as well, like think of this metaphor the heart. If like yeah. take care of yourself first, that's where it yeah. starts. Right? Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. Great invitation. Thank you very much. Yep. And so, uh, so to finish, we have our little uh, traditional question about the tips to your younger self. So if you could go back in time, what would you say to your younger self uh, on, on this topic? What sort of tips or advice would you like to share? Yeah, I think I would say to take the time to fully think what you, what you want to achieve in life, what you want to see unfold, and dare to break any barrier or any like framework that you have and just be free take a free blank page and just draw it write it just be express the full your deepest desire the thing that you'd never dare to tell anyone mm. and when you have that is focusing on living in the moment in mm -hmm. the present mm -hmm. while being on your way to achieve that because we know that whatever you want to achieve in life you always realize when you get there with something else yes. it never really stops right? so true. And, and so that's to stop like chasing the horizon is really thinking go to where go go to those goals set the bar high yeah but enjoy every moment because you know it's, it's a never-ending process and there's always going to be something more and yeah. so if you if you don't live enough in the present it's going to be again and like you're not going to be satisfied in the future so yeah. i think that's going to be this mix of both think what you want think really carefully go for it by living every single day to the fullest hmm. and choose joy no matter what 
I love this thing that, sorry, I'm going further, but no, no, take your time. When, when we ask ourselves questions, it really helps to direct our mind. I love this thing, like I look for joy and I find it everywhere. And that's so funny because the first time I heard a sentence, I was, I was walking in the park. I was, I was, um, anyway, I was walking in the park and I was thinking of that. I look for joy and I see it everywhere. And I see those two little birds like flirting together. I see a kid following a dog. I see like an old couple, they were so cute together. And you realize like, it's everywhere. Now, if you look for darkness and pain, you see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's there, it's omnipresent, right? But you can choose to see one and not the other. Mm-hmm. And when you choose joy over the rest, you see it more. And so it's just like lighting you up every day. So the question and the, the way you think is really shaping the way you live. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, that would be the last piece of advice I would give myself. Choose yeah. joy, no matter what. Yes. Yeah. Uh, absolutely wow. incredible thank you thank you so much it's thank you Anna, thank, thank you. you so much for having me today it was really great thank you Tom. <laughs> it was an amazing and so inspiring episode thank you very much and uh, we would love to hear from you guys listening to us if you had anything to say to share or any question please join us and send an email at theempowerjourney at gmail.com Thanks again, Francois. Have a good day. Thank you. And see you soon. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.